0: Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation.
1: What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect.
2: It's just a fundamental lack of respect.
1: If your parents give you respect, then you'll want to give it back just as much.
2: Remember your self-esteem, your self-respect. I'm Jim Byrne. Well, not too long ago, a seismic shift took place in the way we view ourselves. Self-respect was replaced with feeling good about ourselves. What seemed to be a good idea at the time has since backfired. We threw self-respect out the window, and so in doing this, we become a society full of disrespectful people. My guest today on Homeward is here to help us turn the tide. Jill Rigby is the author of the book Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World, and she's here to tell us how we can bring a return to civility and respect back to our society,
0: one child at a time, and hopefully that child is yours. That's coming up today on Homeward, so stay tuned. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.
2: Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today, Jill Rigby is with us. We're talking about raising respectful children, and that's exactly what you and I want. She's written a great book called Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. Boy, that is the cry of so many people. Today's kids aren't rebelling against being rigid, and roles they don't like, they're lashing out against the lack of structure and adult guidance. And so we're going to talk about how we can build that in their lives. Jill Rigby is an accomplished author, speaker, columnist, television radio personality. She's the CEO of Manners of the Heart Community Fund, and it's a pleasure to have you with us all the way from Louisiana.
1: Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here.
2: When I met you, I heard that wonderful accent. <laughs> now, I don't know if in Louisiana they think there's an accent, but we in California think we don't have any accent.
1: Well, I didn't think I had an accent until I moved to New York City several years ago and everyone suddenly let me know that I had an accent.
2: Isn't that isn't that great? Well, I want to get right into this. This is mm-hmm. so important, and our listeners are, are in great need for understanding this. You say that the root problem of why kids today are so disrespectful is that we replace self-respect with self-esteem. Yes. Talk about that.
1: Yes. Oh, I would be delighted to. That's that's really the, the heart of this whole message. Let me give you the analogy and to set it up for you to, for, so the listeners can better understand this. Um, here's the difference between the two. Self-esteem, which is what we've been doing for the last 30 or 40 years the you know psychologist in the late 60s early 70s decided that the problem with the kids of the 60s who rebelled as you mentioned uh, is because that they didn't feel good about themselves and the problem was they needed self-esteem but what we've done with it is that the self-esteem focus that we've used in raising children has been as if we hold a mirror up to the children's face and that child can only see their own reflection that's all they see Where the contrast is, if we're working to help our children build self-respect, then that's enabling our children to look through a glass and see their own reflection, but it's against the backdrop of the world. So they understand that they were put here to serve the world rather than that the world is to serve them.
2: When you say self-esteem leads to happiness, I say, well, great, okay. Instead of joy, what's the difference between happiness and joy, and how do you see that self-respect coming in there?
1: Yeah, wonderful question. Happiness, as we all know, we can have those moments of yeehaw, Oh, excuse me, that's Louisiana coming out. Hey,
2: you know what? It's nice to have some (laughs) Louisiana coming out on the Homeward program.
1: Well, we can have a yeehaw moment, and, uh, you know, the next hour something comes along, and, you know, we're in the pit again. Uh, And that's really what happens with that self-esteem emphasis because it's such a self-centered approach that a child thinks it's all about me and it's about my happiness rather than helping them build self-respect, which is an other-centered focus, and so that they... um, that they focus on how can I help other people to be happy. They put their own, others' needs ahead of their own wants. And consequently, that's where they find true joy because we know as adults, we hope we know as adults that most adults have understood this, that it's those, those quiet moments when the day is done, you're thinking back through your day, and when you pat yourself on your back a little, it's the day when you've been completely unselfish and you serve someone else that's really when you feel truly good and that's that true joy
2: that's what we want for our kids but so many kids today are so self-absorbed yes and they don't have good manners frankly no they and don't. because parents haven't taught them you know slap the the hand of the parents for not doing that mm-hmm. so we want them to not be self-absorbed but they're living in a society that says me first I centered what's mm-hmm. in it for me and I realize that's a part of the of mm-hmm. the self-esteem issue that you're talking about mm-hmm. At the same time, we want them to have a a healthy self-image that's created in the image of God. You know, we're created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. How does a parent start?
1: It really begins with a a priority list. Um, And it all, well, it begins with a priority list, understanding that esteem only belongs in one place, and that's toward God. That we're to esteem God and respect others mm-hmm. and consequently respect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that brings about a wonderful priority list. And that's that God is first and then are others, service, family, and somewhere along the line we put ourselves on that mm-hmm. list. And in some ways, and uh many parents quite really question me on this until they really, you know, work with it further and recognize, no, maybe mm-hmm. she's got something there i often say don't even we shouldn't even put ourselves on the list because if we've got those priorities straight we're on the top of god's list hmm. and he's taking care of us and he's filling us and filling our children if that's the approach with our children that we you know help our children recognize that god is first and that everything else falls under that that keeps everything in place mm-hmm.
2: jesus was asked what's the most important commandment he said love the lord your god with all of your heart mind right. body and soul And love your neighbor as you love yourself. What is the difference between that and what you're talking about? Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Very good question. To love others, to love others as we love ourselves, in my way of thinking of it and bringing in the the difference between self-respect and self-esteem is when uh, when we love others, we love others as we love ourselves because we love ourselves as God loves us. Because our value and who we are doesn't come from the world, as we mentioned earlier in this crazy world, uh, but our value comes from the way God loves us. And when we've accepted God's love for us, then that enables us to give that love out to others. And consequently, we're loving others as we love ourselves.
2: You know, many of the listeners for Homeward are people who perhaps didn't come from a Christ following home. Maybe mm-hmm. their parents were Christian, maybe they weren't. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're kind of what we call the transitional generation. They're trying to figure it out and they want to be different mm-hmm. than the past. In your book Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World, you talk about three different parenting styles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Walk through the first two pretty fast, but then <laughs> oh, let's gosh. let's talk about the the last parenting style.
1: Okay. All right, the to, briefly the first two are parent-centered and child-centered. And the parent centered, just to briefly, the parent centered really has two parts to it. One is uh, a parent who um, is trying to find themselves, kind of through their child. They're looking for their own rewards mm-hmm. through their child, and they push their child and push their child and push their child. See that
2: all the time today, uh, uh,
1: constantly. And but it's about the parent. It's not about the parent helping the child become who they were created to be. It's about the parent and me, me, me. The other side of that is that parent has happened to me one time with a 6th grade child in my class uh, who came in devastated she said I've prayed all night and asking God to forgive me for this terrible thing that happened last night and on and on and on. I mean, my heart was just devastated And she, when she finally got it out she, her father had taken her to the movies to meet friends to go see a, you know, a little movie with her 6th grade friends while he went to another movie and something fell apart the friends didn't show something went, went amiss and so rather than either go to the movie my thought would have been he would have gone to take her to see the movie he took her in to see his movie which was an r-rated movie and so the little girl had tossed and turned all night long because of the images that she Mm saw the words that she heard Mm -hmm. now that's the other side of being a parent-centered parent that totally selfish you know, self-absorbed again, as we have talking, because the parents of today that are raising the next generation have been brought up in this whole era of self-esteem emphasis, and there is that selfish element there, and and the world has told them that you need to take care of you. You know, don't don't lose yourself in raising your children, but that's part of that self-esteem thing, which is devastating to our children. But that's the two kind of sides of a parent-centered parent. Then uh, the child-centered parent. This is a parent, and, Iveria, and by the way, this is a big yes
2: in the country. oh, Child-focused, child-centered.
1: Well, I mean, we even have stores now. Yeah. You know, all the stores that have popped up, they're all for the children where, you know, we can accessorize their rooms, you know, in ways that maybe one day they might have their master bedroom and their dream home. Yeah, they may have, maybe the
2: children have the master bedroom. Listen, we're yes. going to take a break and let's talk mm-hmm. about child-focused and yes, then let's sir. talk about character-centered parenting, which is where we're going uh, yes. after this break. Jill we'll Rigby do. is with us. We're talking about raising respectful children.
0: Don't go away. More to come on Homework great topic of conversation today here on the Homeward Broadcast. So glad you've joined us. I'm Roger Marsh, along with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns, and Jim recommends a resource this week that's very, very important for us as parents because the parenting season doesn't really end once our kids turn 13 or 18 or sometimes even 21. Uh, When our kids become adults, they still need us to provide some kind of parental discretion. And that's why Nancy Williams' book is so very, very important, and it's a book that Dr. Jim Burns recommends. It's called Secrets to Parenting Your Adult Child. If you have a child who's in their mid-20s, maybe they're in between careers or there's a college situation that's not working out right and they find themselves back at home, or if your kids are 20s, 30s, 40s, even, and they've moved on. They've started their own families, but they still sometimes need a little parenting advice from mom and dad. Nancy Williams' book, Secrets to Parenting Your Adult Child, actually helps spell out some practical ways that you can be As involved as you need to be, not over-involved, but not completely distant either. It's a book that Dr. Jim Burns highly recommends. And if you'd like to learn more about this book, our recommended resource this week, you can just go to Homework.com and you'll find a link to this uh, resource. Again, the title is Nancy Williams, Secrets to Parenting Your Adult Child. It's also available where your favorite Christian books are sold. It's from Bethany House Publishers. It's our recommended resource from Dr. Jim Burns and Homework.
2: Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. We're talking about raising respectful children. We got a lot of people listening today because... We need to raise our children to be respectful, and sometimes we just don't know how to do it. Definitely, some great conversation today with Jill Rigby. Jill, we were right before the break talking about the different styles of parenting. Mm-hmm. We're talking about child-focused parenting or what you call child-centered parenting. Yes, Help us understand that, and and actually why that's bad, because there's a, I would say, a majority of parents kind of move in that direction.
1: That is very much kind of the, um, I hate to say the end style in parenting, but parenting styles seem to, you know, wax and wane with the with culture almost a fad in a sense, but that's where we are today with this child-centered idea in raising our children. I kind of coined this word, which may get me in trouble, but uh, aristocrats, and uh, that's what we're doing a lot of. We're raising children who think that they are the king or the queen of the kingdom and that the parents are the servants and that they're there to serve their children. Uh, when my boys were growing up, very quick story, we had a little boy who's a very dear friend of theirs and um, you know, when he would come over to spend the night and we we took him down to a little pond near the house because we knew he didn't go fishing and we could take him fishing in Louisiana again and took him down fishing and, I mean, we had not been there 10 minutes and he put the pole down. And he said, look, Daddy gave me some money. Let's go to the store. Mm. Then we get ready to have supper and he doesn't want supper that I've prepared because all he eats is a peanut butter sandwich with a, with a particular jelly on it and you have to cut the edges off.
2: Oh, my goodness. And it has to
1: be cut on the diagonal. You know, my twin sons are now 24, and when we hit that point of moving from high school to college is when you really, uh, when this was acute, and these precious aristocrats hit that point when people weren't going to serve them anymore, right. and the world wasn't going to bow at their feet, and they couldn't right. handle it, and they just caved.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that. My my friend Henry Cloud tells a story about uh, being in a, a friend's home, and you know, the mom was was making the bed for the for the teenage son and, mm-hmm. and doing everything uh, for mm-hmm. them, and it was definitely a child-focused home. Mm-hmm. And he said to the parents who were his friends, he said, I worry about when so-and-so gets married mm-hmm. because he, he's exactly. really not going to be prepared. And, mm-hmm. and they're saying, well, what do you mean he's not going to be prepared? Well, because you do everything mm-hmm. for him. He's going to marry somebody and expect them to do everything, and that's not going to be the way it's going to be. Right. And, right. uh, and we we have done that with our yes, kids. Yes, I mean,
1: that's, and that's what happens. That's the result of a child-centered child that has grown up in that type of parenting style. Let's look at the character-centered, as right. you said, because that's, hopefully everyone is out there going, no, don't want to do those two. So let's, which one is the right one? Well, that's the character-centered. And that's the family that are really the parents who made up their mind before there was a family, before the children came, that their goal in raising their children, their number one goal was going to be to help them find God. And in that quest to help them find their purpose in life and to look with the um, Stephen Covey has said to look with the end in mind um, which is so appropriate in, in raising our children from the time they're born we should be looking ahead to who do we want them to be not what we want them to have but who do we want them to be redefine that definition of success today's definition of success is what do we have you know what do I have that's that's what it's not that's what is defined success and that's kind of what we do with those children and that child-centered is they have to have the latest everything mm-hmm. where with character centered parenting we're more concerned with who our children are going to become mm-hmm. as you mentioned you know when they do become adults are they going to be able to handle the world will they be able to be self-sufficient will they be able to be other-centered again will they find their place in the world i, I think of it like this in the character-centered area that uh we know that God has the giant picture puzzle. You know, he's the one that's got the big one. The thousand and five thousand pieces we have or nothing. He's got the big one. He sees the complete finished picture. And each one of us from time and in, into eternity are a piece of that puzzle. And that's what we're to do as parents. Our children are a piece of that puzzle and our goal should be to help them find where they fit because if they never find the place that they fit they will never find joy they may have yeah. fleeting moments of happiness but they'll never have joy because they'll never become who they were created to be right. which is the ultimate goal well, I was
2: even thinking that scripture train up a child in the way that they should go and, and yeah. it says look for their bent you have to you know I, I call exactly. it personally tailored discipleship we have to look at mm-hmm. our kids differently because each kid even twins <laughs> yes. have a different bent at, yes. at times and so we have to be able to think differently but we also have to be thinking as parents and it's not easy to do even with younger ones our job is to raise responsible adults not obedient kids because and to do that part of this whole idea that you're talking about is Mm -hmm. it's more important to build character than it is to to have them necessarily even be obedient for the for the moment you call it the school of respect what's the school Mm -hmm. of respect
1: that's what i call it that if you want to accomplish this goal of raising respectful children then you must enroll your family it's not just the children you must enroll your family in the school of respect and that it's very much what we're talking about it's it's going with the end in mind and it's working through each stage each stage which we probably don't have time to go into all of it but there's four stages the tots the tights the tweens and the teens and each stage a child has two sole questions that they need answered and at each stage it's different and if those questions are answered and satisfied which they need to be by the parent then they can move in to the next stage and your ultimate goal down the line, each stage has a different Mm -hmm. goal. The ultimate goal is to help them develop self-respect. That's the ultimate goal.
2: You talk about stress, purpose, not performance. Mm -hmm. So many times we're so thinking about the Mm -hmm. performance of our kids. I hope they get straight A's. I hope they're the star in the program at church. I hope they're the star pitcher, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But you say don't stress performance, stress purpose. Talk about that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's the difference between telling our children they need to be number one Mm -hmm. or telling them they need to be their best. You hit on it a little bit a minute ago when you said children are unique Mm -hmm. and they're all unique. Not every child is meant to be a straight A Graduate that has a, a scholarship to Harvard. Right. And that's not for every child, but every child has a purpose and therefore they can reach their potential. And it's our job to help them find that. If we're always saying little things and by the way, for the listeners, the little things really are the big things. And the big things are just the little things. They can chew on that Mm -hmm. a little bit. good. In those little things, those little things we say to children and those offhand comments is what sets our children up for for disaster in this area of performance versus purpose.
2: Somebody listening today who says, you know what, I just wish I had heard this a couple of years ago because my kids are kind of a little bit out of control. They definitely Mm -hmm. are living in a world where they're teaching disrespect, but my kids have this what's a good first step for them
1: oh a good first step is if you're trying to to break this disrespectful attitude that's so prevalent in kids today especially tweens and teens is to use something I call uh, repetition as a discipline and every time that something comes along that disrespectful attitude give them something to replace that like if there's an inappropriate word used or a wrong behavior and you want to modify that behavior give them an alternative behavior something something silly and ridiculous like i mean this is a silly example i I use this in the book when the boys were a little bit younger and i was trying to teach them to say may i be excused please from the table which may not sound disrespectful but Again, it's the little things that are the big things. If you let the little things go, the big things become trouble. We can avoid the big troubles. Actually, Jesus talked about
2: that, too, by the way.
1: Yes, he did. Oh, absolutely. Yes, he did. Well, that's the best teacher of all. (laughs) Hopefully, that's who we all are learning from. And he forgot and jumped up from the table. Well, back up, son. Give me 10. And he had to say, may I be excused, please? Yes, you may. He took his plate brought it back, sat down, (laughs) darling you've done two, you gave me eight more and that's repetition as a discipline and I can't begin to tell you how that can be used, teachers use it in schools within our some of our school programs and parents use it at home and words inappropriate words disrespectful words Mm -hmm. that of course where i'm from yes ma'am and no ma'am yes or no sir that yeah that nah stuff you know get rid of that make them say it the correct way you know 10 times if it comes up again it's 14 comes up again it's 22 i mean i've gone up to 56 (laughs) repetitions (laughs) but what happens but the reason that's so a such an effective way of undoing this disrespectfulness you're never going to do it by demanding respect we cannot demand respect anyone who's married knows that you can't demand it you have to command respect and that's so true with our children we can't demand respect from our children because we're not going to get it unless we're commanding it which means we're living it and they will respect us because we're living it and we're giving them twice as much love as discipline which is the right balance Twice as much discipline as love, you're setting up for a rebellion. You've got to have twice as much love as discipline. You know, no one ever said, well, someone did, but I I don't agree, that discipline must be punishment. Again, this comes back to this whole character-centered. This is part of that character-centered idea of raising your children with the end in mind. You have to understand discipline. That effective discipline is the discipline you use to change an inappropriate behavior. It's not meant to punish the goal of discipline that discipline that works is one that changes the inappropriate behavior that's why repetition as a discipline is so effective because it's a good-hearted way of going about it. Yeah. There's no argument, there's no raising of voices, there's no ugliness in it and typically the child going through that repetition ends up you know giggling, and everybody around is giggling and supposedly he's being punished. But what happens? How many times do you think I ever had to remind my son? To say, "May I be excused, please? Never again." I mean, he's 24 years old now.
2: I was going to ask. I've got a 22-year-old. Can I do that with the 22-year-old still?
1: Yes, you can. Fabulous. We're going to You gonna really can. We're
2: going to do it. great. Great input today, Jill. And, Thank and you. I've got to ask you to come back because we just—I feel like you're kind of coaching us parents along in terms of making some good and right decisions. Can you come back? I will be Take delighted. It.
0: And that concludes part one of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Jill Rigby here on the Homeward Broadcast, as we are broadcasting, as always, from the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University. If you want to see for yourself what APU's undergraduate experience is like, visit apu.edu slash blogs and read what real students have to say. They're very respectful students, I might add. A good topic of conversation today, uh, raising respectful kids. And in just a moment, I'll have information on how you can get a resource about this topic and also an audio CD as well. My guest today on Homeward
2: has been Jill Rigby, the author of the book Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. I like the title of that book. She's been here to tell us how we can bring civility and respect back to our society, one child at a time. I would agree that there is a general sense of disrespect among kids today. But what I've found is that most kids aren't really rebelling against authority as much as they're lashing out against a lack of authority. As parents, when we don't exercise authority over our kids in a healthy way, and let me underline healthy way, or when we are inconsistent in the way that we exercise our authority— Well, the result is often disrespectful and rebellious kids. Let me encourage you to develop firm but fair guidelines with your kids. If the rules are too strict or unfair, then no matter how authoritative you will be with your kids, they will most likely rebel. Then make sure that you clearly communicate them to your children. And finally, when you're coming up with and enforcing your guidelines, always keep the end in mind. The goal of Christian parenting should be to release morally and biblically sound young adults into the world. Make sure that your guidelines and the way that you enforce them all point to that particular goal. If you want more information on raising respectful and God-honoring kids... And here's Roger with more
0: information. Well, I encourage you, if you're not online with us right now, to go to homeward.com, visit our online resource center, browse through the different articles and tip sheets section of the articles and media tab. You can also sign up for our Good Advice Parent Newsletter, absolutely free to do that, by the way. And then, of course, I mentioned a moment ago the audio CD of this broadcast, both part one and part two of Dr. Jim Burns' conversation with Jill Rigby on raising respectful kids. That'll be coming your way if you include a gift of any amount in support of Homeward. And write to us at Homeward, Post Office. Box 1600 San Juan Capistrano, California, where the swallows go. The zip code 92693. Include a gift of any amount. We'll be happy to thank you for that gift by sending you a copy of the audio CD. You know, Jim, uh, so often we hear from people who talk about how practical homework is, and every now and again we hear from kids who are saying, Please stop. I mean, it's too practical. Where do you get all this information? But it's a great reminder that we're blessed to be doing what we're doing. Oh, that is so true. I mean, you know, my kids do the same thing. I mean, yeah. I
2: chuckle every day when you say, uh, you know, parenting and family expert. I say, you know, I'm glad he's not interviewing, you know, the Burns girls (laughs) Right. right now. And you know, it's interesting with that, Roger, because there are times when absolutely, We're thinking about raising respectful children. We dream that they would always be respectful. They're not. They won't be at all times. We lose our confidence, frankly. Mm -hmm. I know there are times when I lose my confidence, so it's good to be reminded of some of the basics uh, like Jill talked about today, and I'm glad for resources like that. I'm also glad for you, our listener, that you are there to not only receive this kind of information, but that you also come alongside us to help us continue to bring this material out to you, and I appreciate your donations. I appreciate your phone calls, and believe me, I read every email that comes our way. And uh, that's no easy task because there's a lot of emails, but it really is something helpful. And so if you have some ideas, if you have some critique of our program, we want this to be the most effective parenting program in the universe. And the only way for us to do that is to, uh, well, get the counsel of people who are listening. So don't hesitate to to give us what you got. You can always go online to homeward.com. Let us know what you think. Thanks so much for listening and joining us today. I'm Jim Burns, and I look forward to being together
0: with you again next time on Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.